Welcome everyone to the very latest Bolt from the Blue podcast to talk about this particular game uh, against Sheffield United. Chris Wilder, Sheffield United, and what seemed um, on paper, despite their league position, to be a pretty stiff test. And uh, of course, as you expect, the two people that I have to talk about this experience are, number one, Mr. Colin Savage, who is fresh from... um, watching his other passion, which is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tell us a little bit about that, Colin. Well, um, yeah, I say I'm an NFL fan and a Pittsburgh Steelers fan through my kind of family connections now to Pittsburgh, and they are uh, the only unbeaten team in the NFL. But the last two weeks, the game has gone down to literally the last second. So today, uh, they, were, they were playing their bitter uh, bitter rivals, Baltimore. <laughs> uh, and for those who don't follow NFL, the Steelers... And Baltimore Ravens is the biggest rivalry currently in the NFL. It's like, I, I hate to say Manchester United-Liverpool, which is a, a manufactured rivalry. But you think of us and Liverpool these days. And it's of that um, it's that sort of intensity. And um, literally, the, the, the Baltimore Ravens had one shot at a touchdown to win the game with the last play of the game. And uh, the Steelers defended it uh, to win. Uh, to leave them seven and seven and zero, oh, as the Americans say. So, um, uh, and the week before, uh, they were playing. Ooh, I can't remember who they were playing. Oh, Tennessee Titans, and they were the two unbeaten teams in the um, not not division, but in the kind of conference. And mm-hmm. the Tennessee Titans had a kick to tie the game with the last in the last second, and they missed the kick. So it's been a bit heart stopping. My heart's still going a bit after that game. If you you know, so um, hopefully it'll drop down by the time we. Yeah, don't worry, Colin. We'll 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 knock that excitement right out of you. Don't worry. <laughs> sure, <yeah. laughs> and uh, the other person we have here is Ray from City Fan TV. Now, Ray, tell us about the women's FA Cup final. Hi guys, yeah, I, I wanted to join in on that on that conversation and that chat about Pittsburgh Steelers. I thought you were ignoring me. Then I realised I muted my mic, <laughs> 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 and I just remembered why. But Colin's not answering my questions anyway. So yeah, it's a FA Cup final. It's a bit peculiar because it's last season's FA Cup final, but in the women's game, uh, basically there's not enough money in women's football. It's getting uh, more publicity and more interest and more marketing. Uh, but th- there wasn't the financial um, support to allow them to continue playing football because of all the, uh, the testing that was required and all the um, protocols. Um, so last season's uh, uh, FA Women's Super League was uh, terminated um, and Chelsea won on points per, per game. Um, but the FA Cup, they decided to continue that and play the, I think it was the we had the quarter semis and the, the final uh, this season. And, we're going to have another FA Cup starting soon as well. So it's going to be a peculiar season where you know there's going to be two FA Cup finals in the one season. Everton versus City. Uh, each team did really well to get to the final. City beat Arsenal 2-1 in the semi. And uh, Arsenal, a very, very good team. They're on top of the uh, Women's Super League at the moment. Won, I think, all there. Six games they've played. And usually by handsome margins. Everton in the quarterfinals beat Chelsea, who were the as I said, the uh, FA Women's Super League champions and a very, very strong outfit as well. It was a cracking game, really was. Um, City were on top most of the game um, and we had some very good standout performances from City players. Um, Our American theme, again, we had two Americans playing for City, Rose Lavelle and the outstanding Sam Mewis. Now, Sam Mewis 
um, head and shoulders above ev- pretty much everybody in, in the City team at the moment. She is just so consistently brilliant. Um, you know, it's it's easy to see why the American team is so good and the the, the World Cup winners. Um, it was the, the score was one all at full time. City won three one after extra time. Uh, as I said, it was a fabulous game. Um, not too much dirty stuff. Uh, lots of uh, skill. Not as much attacking intent as we're used to with City. I think City uh, are a little bit more reserved um, than what a lot of the fans would like. But we had Everton on the back foot for, for pretty much most of the game. I think their keeper was the player of the match. Um, for me, it was, uh, I thought it was Sam Mewis had an immense game. Uh, but uh, City got um, ahead with a, a good goal from uh, Sam Mewis. Uh, some last-ditch tackles at the back from Lucy Bronze. Uh, great save from Ellie Roebuck in, early in the second half. And then uh, Valerie Gauvin. Um, Excellent French player, really, really good. One of the, um, my favourites from the Everton team. She scored a goal, and uh, if you'd seen her in the first half, she went down after a tackle, uh, holding a knee, and it twisted, and she was crying her eyes out. Um, and you were worried that it was a serious injury, but she managed to get some strapping on at half time and, and came out in the second half, and she scored with the back of her head uh, from a corner. Um, and then later on, a few chances, but the Everton keeper was keeping City at bay. Uh, second, sorry, we went into extra time. Um, uh, the goalkeeper from Everton. If you if you haven't seen the game, you, it's worth watching it just for some of these saves. Um, there was a corner, and our captain Steph Horton she headed it towards goal. The goalie flung herself um, and just tipped it away onto the post. It was a fabulous save, but um, it was it felt like it was a matter of time. We were worried that it was going to go to penalties, uh, but uh, Jess Park, nineteen uh, year old. A City player came on, she's a, a winger, and she passed the ball through to Georgia Stanway in the box and she stabbed it home. And then right at the death, with about two minutes to go, we brought on Janine Becky. Uh, if we're talking about things North American, I think she's a Canadian player, if I remember correctly. And um, she'd only been on for two minutes. I think she was just on to waste time. And she'd been on for a couple of minutes and she sealed it in the, pretty much the, the last kick of the game. To win three one, so City are back to back FA Cup winners. It was, uh, as I said, it was a fabulous game of football. Really, really enjoyed it. I watched it with the um, the Manchester City Women's Official Sports Club. They put on a Zoom uh, football match for us. So you know you're watching it on your own TV, but you're on Zoom with you know I don't know how many people, a dozen or so, or a little bit more, or whatever it was, uh, people there. So you, you know you can obviously cheer together and commiserate together and sing a few songs. If that's what you feel like, but it was it was a, as I said, a cracking game of football. Thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, that's that's taken up most of my day because I, before that, if you remember the last pod, I said uh, we were launching a a city, uh, a city women's uh, YouTube channel, which went live. I think last night or t- this morning. I was working through most of the night doing videos, uh, player videos. So for each player, I just get a few pictures together, some nice music. And some graphics and put out a little player uh, video and for the manager as well uh, so working throughout the night very very busy but you know w- whenever city win you're going to be happy and you've got an extra uh, skip in your step and a little bit you know you, you are buzzing uh, from the occasion so winning at Wembley fantastic well uh, guys let's um, move on to the matter in hand which is uh, another clean sheet and a win for Manchester City against Sheffield United maybe uh 
Colin, you could tell us a little bit about the lineup. Yeah, well, uh, I think for once it was a fairly conventional lineup. So um, we had uh, Diaz and Laporte again at the centre of defence, which m- makes a change to have the same central defensive partnership, two games running. Uh, obviously, Walker at right back and Cancelo in at left back. Uh, Rodri uh, at the base of midfield with uh, Kevin De Bruyne and um, Bernardo Silva in front of him. Then Mares and Sterling wide and Torres playing the false nine this time. So, um, it, yeah, it was a, it was a, for Pep anyway, a fairly conventional, boring lineup. But obviously, in the absence of a, a Gabriel Jesus and a Sergio Aguero, who might not be quite as badly injured as we thought he was, um, we had to do something. And this time it was Torres who got the nod. And, and I think he did pretty well in that, in that role. Yeah, I was going to say, Colin, his, his movement was, was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, he, he latched onto the balls. He put the defence under pressure. He's obviously, he's 20 years old. He's got that energy, that, uh, you know, uh, blissful ignorance uh, that some of the elder, older players don't have. He'll just keep chasing. And he wants to impress. He, he wants to be a first-choice player. He's not coming to City to sit on the bench as a kid. He's coming to City to play, to challenge uh, basically challenged Maris for, for a starting spot and he's going to run all day long and he got into some great positions the only thing he didn't get which was a disappointment was um, he didn't score he had so many good opportunities you know where he'd uh, he, he unfortunately hit the ball straight at the keeper he had a good header um, from a Concello cross he had a couple of um, shots from about six yards out where he hit, hit them straight at the keeper he, on another day with a bit of luck he could have got three or four goals yeah. Um, but he I, looked I really think that header was probably the one I'd say he probably could have done better with. But the others, I think, I think we've got to give uh, Ramsdale some credit because he yeah. was uh, excellent and he saved them from a, a bigger defeat, I think. Well, you can see City a bit boring, aren't they? I mean, 1 0 wins. I mean, we beat <laughs> Arsenal 1 0. We've just beat. 1 0 to the City, yeah. Boring, boring City. I mean, it is, it is it's crazy at the moment because our goal difference after six, is it six games is plus one. That's unheard of for City. To have a plus one goal difference after six games is it, it, crazy, uh, crazy situation. Yeah, I'm just um, just going to see what the um, goal difference was this time last season. Um, just trying to look it up, but yeah, I mean, obviously they they the last in five against uh, Leicester. Leicester wasn't great. So this time last season, uh, oh no, hope I'll put the right year in, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> It'd be at least but, ten, eight or ten. It, yeah, I'm just trying to find the right uh, equivalent date. <laughs> what was that? Plus 18 goal difference, Colin, after six uh, games? Or eight uh, games? I mean, yeah, six games we had a 18 goal. Well, uh, we, we, we spanked Watford 18. 18 goal difference, so 24-4 um, and six against. Yeah, but in, in there we beat West Ham on the first game of the season um, by five goals to nil at their place. We beat Bournemouth 3-1. We drew with Spurs two all. We beat Watford eight nil. I mean, that's going to do wonders for your goal difference if you're spanking somebody eight nil. And in there, we also we'd also got a loss against Norwich three two. Um, so the, the, let's have a think. The sixth, um, we beat Brighton four nil. So a lot of goals, uh, three big spankings at five nil at West Ham, four nil against Brighton, and the eight nil against Watford. Um, some teams got, and then we we kind of settled down. I think then we we didn't score more than two or three for for, for a couple of months actually. Yeah. For three, um, a bit bit generous to other teams, and 
And then later on in the season, we started scoring again. We beat Villa 6-1 at Villa Park, which was a great result. But, but I think um, putting aside the goals we've not not scored, <laughs> if you look at our defensive record, and I say there's only Arsenal uh, conceded fewer goals than us. We're, Arsenal's conceded seven. So we're with a couple of clubs that have conceded eight. And uh, apart from that Leicester game, which was a bit of a disaster, um, we, we've never conceded more than one goal. It's good, it's good going. I mean, when you look at, I mean, Liverpool have let in 15 goals. Yeah. Um, and actually, <laughs> actually, Liverpool have got the worst um, defence in the in the Premier League, letting in 15. Um, yeah. But that's partly because Fulham and West Brom haven't played yet this this week. And they've let in 14. Um, but when you, normally when you're letting in 15 goals, you, you're somewhere near the bottom of the table. But uh, Liverpool have sat there um, on, on top of the table. I mean, do, do you think we're going to go through a season where we can with these 1-0 wins, Colin? Well, I think um, what we were all la- asking for last season was, was to stiffen it up at the back because we were so prone to giving away goals. And, and I think we've still got weaknesses. So, you know, this, this inability to come back from uh, being a goal down is still worrying. When you see Liverpool, you know, they have the ability, well, like they've got a dodgy penalty, but they still, if they go a goal down as they did against West Ham, you know they're going to come back. Pretty sure they're going to come back. Whereas with us, we go a goal down. Uh, you know, even just one goal down, it, it seems to be so difficult for us. But I, th- I think many of us would would settle for going through a season, you know, with with a number of one nil wins. Yeah. Um, as long as we're showing some defensive solidity, and I think, obviously, as we've said before, having Laporte and Diaz as our first choice centre backs and being able to pick them, um, you know, week in week out would make a huge difference um, yeah. because, yes, yeah, so far has been excellent. Of course, we know what Laporte brings up. Absolutely. It's, it's interesting you talk about Liverpool coming back from behind against West Ham because Liverpool came from behind at home against Sheffield United as well. Yeah. And I think Liverpool came from behind, it was against Everton, they came from behind uh, against Everton as well. So, you know, in, in their last three league games, Liverpool have had to come from behind each time and they've, they've managed to get two wins and they nearly beat Everton. Everton scored, uh, I think, uh, late on to get a 2-2 draw. So they've got that that resilience and that ability to fight back, which I think we saw at times last season. City didn't have, what, like you say, once we went behind, we sometimes huffed and puffed, um, and we couldn't blow any houses down. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. But uh, it's all right scoring, you know, you know, five, six, seven, eight against the likes of, you know, Watford and Burnley and teams like that. But... Um, there are times when you've got to dig in, and I think that's what we didn't have last season. Uh, and I'm still, I'm still not quite. We're seeing part of that this season. We're seeing an ability to dig in and stop conceding goals. But um, I think, you know, I would like to see, um, I would like to see us, you know, find that fight to be able to come back from, um, you know, one. I think Liverpool, apart from that first Leeds game, I think they've come back from one, one down in, in quite a few games. So. The, they were one down against Arsenal, as you say. They were one down against Sheffield United, um, etc. So that's the sort of thing we've got to do to win the league. Although you know, you look at the league table now. There were a lot of people moaning uh, a couple of games ago, particularly when we lost to um, when we drew when we drew to West Ham. People were moaning. Uh, not not lost to West, but drew against West Ham. And there were a lot of people moaning. But you look at the league table now, and it's suddenly looking a lot better. So we've got game in hand. Still got a game in hand against Villa. If we win that, 
if we win that, takes us to 14 points. So that, that takes us to third place. That would take us to third place on today's table. Yeah. Uh, and we're playing Liverpool next week. So, you know, if, if we could win that, um, and that will be a game where our defensive solidity will be tested. I think we know that anyway. Can I ask you about Rodri, Colin? Because uh, I've been chatting to, to fans tonight and there's a, a difference of opinion as to what uh, Rodri brings to the side. Uh, my, I'll, I'll, you know, my opinion is I don't think he brings much. I don't think he brings much in the defensive, um, in, a, in a defensive capacity. It doesn't protect the defence the way I think uh, Fernandinho used to. And I don't see him creating a lot the way a creative midfielder does. And for me, he, it, people say he links the defence to a, uh, to attack or the defence to midfield. And I don't see the point in that. But what's your opinion on Rodri? Well, I, looking at yesterday's game, um, in the first part of the game, the first quarter, he made a few bad mistakes. He gave the ball away a few times. and But after that, I thought it was very, very solid. And, and you know, it was Brian Clough who said, uh, in, in a team of 11, you need seven piano shifters and, and four maestros. And I think Rodri is, is the chief of the piano shifters, if you like. <laughs> um, I think it's dangerous to compare him to Fernandinho because Fernandinho was an exceptional player. Uh, I, you know, I don't think we'll ever... Well, I, I would like to have another Fernandinho, but he could do everything, couldn't he? You know, he, he was just had... Uh, well, I, you, you compare him to Gareth Barry. I mean, we're talk, talking on social media about Gareth Barry the other week, and uh, he wasn't the quickest player, but he had that innate ability to be in the right place at the right time and play a simple ball to to kind of turn defence into attack. Uh, and that's what you need. And I think Rodri... Um, no, he's no Fernandinho. It doesn't have Fernandinho's defensive qualities. I think I'd agree with that. But you're not going to find many players who do, other than a purely defensive defensive midfield player, if you think that makes sense. Yeah. But in, in the kind of, certainly the second half, he was, I think, a lot more influential. Uh, in a Gareth Barry, understated, you don't really notice him um, kind of way, in that he will take the ball and he'll do something with it. Now, he doesn't, doesn't have to be a Kevin De Bruyne 40-yard defence-splitting pass, but it just has to be something that sets us up. And I think he's, you know, saying he's no Fernandinho, but I think he does the simple stuff very, very well. And, and I think you could say the same about uh, Bernardo Silva, who wasn't, um, wasn't particularly noticeable on uh, Saturday at, at Sheffield. But he was always there. He was always buzzing around. He was, you know, he'd be up the field, he'd be uh, at the back. Uh, I'd say not a spectacular game. And looking at the BBC uh, ratings, which go on, um, obviously, I think, fans' view, uh, obviously, you've got Kevin De Bruyne uh, and Carl Walker out in, well out in front. And then very close together, you've got uh, Laporte and Ruben Diaz, uh, definitely. Then you've got Rodri just ahead of Sterling. So, you know, there are other fans seeing things in Rodri that you know that City fans perhaps are being a bit um, expectant, too expectant in trying to compare him to Fernandinho. He is not Fernandinho. He he may be in two or three seasons. He may be Fernandinho. I don't know, but he's not that type. He's not that type of player. Um, but he does. I say he does the simple things well. He was a bit lax with the ball the first mm-hmm. 15, 20 minutes, but after that he was just solid and. 
almost like you don't notice him. And I think that's that's one of the mistakes City fans make is that you don't notice him because he doesn't do anything spectacular, but he doesn't do anything particularly wrong, though he can do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I also noticed in that first half that, at, uh, for, especially early on, we were playing three at the back where we had Walker, we had Diaz in the middle and the pot on the left, and Cancelo would either play as like a wing-back or uh, as uh, he was playing in midfield. And at times, especially in the first half, it felt like we were playing a 3-4-3 formation. Yeah, I mean, well, that's become quite common, hasn't it, that we um, we noticed that, depending on the phase of play, one of the what we call full-backs will actually be a midfield player. And quite often that's been Kyle Walker when we've had yeah. um, um, someone else at left-back. But Cancelo is doing that job really, really well. Um, and and uh, I, I think, um, again, Kyle Walker's caught the eye the last few games, but I think Cancelo quietly has, has performed an excellent job. And it's about versatility in a pet. Um, I, I'm a kind of a bit, I say, a bit disappointed in Zinchenko. We've not seen much of him, but he is a midfield player. Yeah. Uh, the, the problem is he's not a fullback, whereas Cancelo is a fullback who can turn into a midfield player and we you know we've seen him defend well he does that Rodri bit you know where, where he tidies up uh but we've also seen him go forward uh you know uh, i always remember you know wayne bridge was was one who got uh, a lot of criticism from city fans um but i remember him and gail cliche had this thing where they could come inside with the ball and kind of um you know slice through the opposition midfield uh, and Concello is showing the ability to do that. And I think quietly he's becoming a real all-rounder, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, I, I think he does have a few um, deficiencies as a defender, but he's probably more there for what he brings us going forwards. And what I've liked about Cancelo is, unlike Mendy, until Mendy's last game, Mendy used to just go on the outside of, um, of um, uh, midfielders and defenders and then try and, and, and put the ball in. But most of Mendy's play was you know, pass it sideways or pass it backwards. But he was always going on the outside. Um, whereas Cancelo, he can go on, he's happy to go on the outside and he's happy to go cut inside and go on the inside as well. So he can go past uh, players on either side, which is, you know, more unpredictable. And I like that in, in a player. Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes you get someone like Robin and Ribery and you know what they're going to do, but they're so brilliant at it. You know they're going to step inside and they can get away with it. But, Someone like Mendy, you know he's going to go on the outside. Someone like Riyad Mahrez, you know he's going to try and cut inside most of the time and have a shot on his left foot. Um, but with Cancelo outside, inside, he'll go to the byline and he prefers to cross with his right foot. So he'll drag it back whilst the defender carries on sliding off the pitch and then he'll look for the accurate drag um, um, cutback. So he, he brings so just so much... Um, to, to our team, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. So, so I think that back four on Saturday was our first choice back four now. Yeah. If I was Pep, that's what I'd be playing every game. Um, Colin Savage, um, did you think that we were in for a difficult night? Because I think it was in the first minute, wasn't it, that um, McBurney um, shouldered Diaz straight to the floor. And it, it just reminded me in the old days of the reducer uh, to let uh, teams know that they were in for a battle. Is that how you saw it? Yeah, I, I thought McBurney should have got a yellow card for that because that was reckless, uh, and he put his opponent in danger. And I, I, you know, I don't buy this. Oh well, it's thirty only thirty seconds in because I think it probably was thirty seconds in when he did that because he set out to um, 
to kind of let someone know he was there, which uh, was about the only time he let anyone know he was there, to be honest, because he did nothing the rest of the game. But um, <laughs> I, I, I was thinking, I was a bit scared to say this during the game because, you know, uh, life has a habit of biting you on the backside when you say things like that. Um, but Sheffield United last season were a breath of fresh air, weren't they? There was something different. Uh, you know, they were, they were, uh, they only missed out but just a poor run at the end of last season from getting into Europe. Uh, and they looked like a side who belonged in the Premier League. And this uh, this season, they looked like a championship side who were struggling to stay in the Premier League. Uh, and that was a fairly typical thing that, uh, you know, a championship League One player would do, isn't it? You know, clatter into someone, let them know, let them know they're there. And um, that to me kind of summed up Sheffield United a little bit, uh, that, that, they, the, the magic has worn off. And, and I've always said that the Premier League is a, you know, you, you've got some good good managers there, obviously. And you will get found out, you know, if you, if you can't change your system, uh, someone like Sheffield United who play a very particular type of system. Uh, opposition managers will find a way to, to negate that and, and neutralise it. And that's happened with Chris Wilder. Um, you know, I don't wish Sheffield United any harm, but they're looking a bit out of their depth. And I say that, that kind of, there were a couple of tackles like that early on in the match that kind of cemented my view that that they look more like a championship side you know, that you play in an FA Cup game. I'm going to ask, guys, did we talk at the beginning of the season and and say who we suggested would would get relegated and who would be um, in the top four? Uh, we didn't, but we could do that right now. What do you I, reckon? I, I thought I did. I thought I said Sheffield United might go down because um, the way they dropped away last season, they lost. Um, five of the last nine games. Yep. Uh, they lost the last three games, and then this season they've lo- be- prior to playing City, they'd lost five out of six. So that's eight of the last nine games you've lost. It's seldom that a team is going to go on that sort of run and and recover. And now they've lost, you know, uh, nine out of the last ten games. It is it's a uh, it's a serious problem that Sheffield United have got. They can't score for Toffee. They didn't look that dangerous. I understand they've been unlucky in two or three games this season. They could have got something out of games. But there comes a, a point where you think, well, OK, you can only make excuses for so long. And, you know, you're now getting into that stage of the season where you, you're you going to start to worry. And they're very fortunate that there's some really poor teams in this Premier League. I mean, Burnley on, sat on the bottom of the table with one point, Fulham with one point, West Brom looked poor. They've got three points. Uh, Brighton look poor. They've got five points uh, on seven. Another poor team. That's Manchester United. Uh, and um, <laughs> oh yeah, you love that, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> and then, but but it's a crazy situation. Then you've got West Ham. West Ham are sat there on eight points. And when you look at what what they've done quite recently and the teams, you know, they've um, they've taken to task. I mean. Obviously, they, if you remember, they beat Wolves 4-0, they beat Leicester 3-0, they drew with Spurs 3-0, they drew with City 1-0. That's got them their eight points. And then they've lost all the other games. And Maybe you can argue they're a bit unlucky to lose to Liverpool. But it's a funny old league and it's gonna, you know, there's been plenty of um, odd results. Uh, you know, Today we've had a scoreline of Aston Villa were losing 4-0 at home to Southampton. They got it back to lose 4-3. It's just a crazy old situation this season. Yeah, These guys... I, I, at the beginning of the season, I, I did a prediction competition and I predicted uh, Fulham and West Brom to go down. Um, I think it should be reasonably so. But but laughably, um, 
one of the teams I did predict to go down was um, Aston Villa. So I was mighty relieved to see them get a bit of a whacking um, <laughs> today because it was looking to be a bit of a daft uh, prediction. But I noticed that um, after a few games last season, Bournemouth were in the after eight games, Bournemouth were in the top half and they went down. So I'm, I'm still hopeful. Um, I'm still hopeful I might get uh, yeah. Sheffield United actually they've been a bit unlucky so far because because of the games they've played. So they play Wolves, who we know are a good team. Uh, they played Aston Villa, who were on fire in the early part of the season. They played Leeds, they lost narrowly to. They played Arsenal. They drew at home against Fulham, which I think was the result, which yeah. started to ring alarm bells a little bit for me. Then they've lost against us and uh, Liverpool, which you know most teams will this season. So, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure I'd, I'd ring alarm bells, but but that that um, dropping a point at home, dropping two points at home to Fulham for me would be a result that rings alarm bells, given their, you know, uh, say one one point in 10 games, last 10 games. Yes, guys, and I, I can uh, confirm um, exclusively that um, before this pod started, Ray was fresh from um, watching Arsenal fan TV. Um, uh, to, <laughs> <What>? um... <laughs> Five seconds to watch the Arsenal fans dancing and uh, old... Men almost as old as me in their forties and fifties singing and dancing because they'd beaten, or they were they were beating Man United at the time. They were and whenever they got a free kick or they were wasting time or a throwing, apparently they were singing and dancing. <laughs> but you should yeah. have seen them last week when they were and blinding. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think the way that they figure it in their calculation is that they beat Manchester United. Manchester United beat Leipzig. Um, Leipzig were in the semi-finals of the Champions League. Follow me, guys. Follow me. So that means that they are in with a shout of the champions. But anyway, Colin, um, you would have thought the um, with the old with the reducer that I mentioned uh, on Diaz, and and then in in the um, in the words of Eileen Fullen, it started to really persist it down. You know, the conditions you would have thought would have uh, suited them, but. Um, did get a little bit of excitement. I think it was uh, just after the 20-minute mark when um, a great uh, stop by their goalkeeper, um, I think it's a co- combination of Sterling and uh, uh, Rodri, and um, and then there was a chance for Torres, wasn't there? Yes. Yeah, I think we started really well. Uh, I thought we had a, a great first half in that game. And um, I think there was, um, yeah, a, f- a few chances. I think... Um, Ramsdale kept them in that game that first half because the way it was looking, if we got second, that game was over. It was going to be over. And uh, Torres certainly had that header. And I was saying uh, before that, that that's the only chance that he had that I think I could say he could have done better with that one because he got a good good free header on it and it was straight at Ramsdale. But the rest of the time, Ramsdale was in sparkling form, wasn't he? And perhaps we weren't quite... Perhaps we could have done a bit better in one or two uh, chances, but um, you know, if we got in two or three nil up that first half, I don't think Sheffield United could have complained, and I don't think that well, uh, they couldn't come back from one nil down. But um, you know, there's always a chance when you only a, um, a goal to the you know a goal to the good that, that the other team will get one. It only needs one, and um, so yeah, um, it was a good start for us. Five minutes later, we got the goal. Uh, let's talk about this. Um... Uh, Ray, a hometown boy, um, and some fine work from Sterling, and, and Sterling was getting a lot of praise after the game, actually. Yeah, I mean, Raheem Sterling got the ball in the middle of the park. He 
very deftly um, got past two uh, attackers or two midfielders who were uh, right on him. Uh, it was fleetness of foot. It was such quick feet. Um, took the ball down the pitch, got past another guy. Uh, and then kind of, I think he lost his direction a bit and he got crowded out. The fourth man came and then he just turned around looking where can I pass this? Because he was, by that stage, I think, uh, surrounded by three players and he passed it out. Uh, to, I think it was Concello, who knocked it wide to KDB, who was standing on the left wing. KDB was sometimes on the left wing, sometimes on the right, just floating around, um, using his wand. His, uh, well, he's got two wands in his feet, one right and one left. He passed it right-footed about 40 yards to the middle of the park for where Walker was. Walker wasn't out wide. He was in this inverted fullback position in the midfield. Um like an attacking midfielder, and he picked the ball up and he, he just fizzed it along that uh, greasy turf. Uh, I think Ramsdale was possibly uh, slightly um, um, unsighted and um, I think he just got his hand to it. So it's one of those things, if he'd seen it slightly earlier, he'd have probably, I think, saved it. And if he'd had stronger hands, he might have saved it. But and it was a great shot from Walker. But the thing is, as soon as he got the ball, he, he just set it up straight away with his first touch, and you knew he was going to shoot. And it's and the way he, he shot, he, he had such control that you knew he was going to hit it along the ground. Uh, and it went unerringly into that far corner. It was it was a cracking shot right into the corner. And I think that's the only place it could have gone uh, to beat the keeper. And Kyle Walker obviously celebrated because that's his uh, boyhood club, uh, Sheffield United. Um, but I've got to say for, about Kyle Walker, he had an absolutely stonking game. That means he had a really good game of football. Uh, attacking wise, I mean, you know, we quipped whilst watching the game that he was he was better on the right wing than Riyad Mahrez. He was much more confident, much more. Um, he attacked better. He got past the men, um, and he, he just looked. He, he, had a, he had a fabulous game. It's a shame, really, that we didn't get any celebration. I was sort of half expecting uh, one of the uh, uh, the the substitutes to toss him a, a water bottle so he could spray water into the air, you know, four foot into the air and pop his chest out the way he does when he's warming up. But um, funny, really, really funny line from the uh, Guardian guys because they were talking about um, how Ramsdale had done uh, very good in the Sheffield United goal for the first 30 minutes. And, and then they put in this line, Ederson, by contrast, has had the square root of bugger all to do. So I think... We've got the title for this particular episode. I think I might be tempted to call it the square root of bugger all. But um, uh, interesting uh, stuff. And uh, De Bruyne was um, pretty much carving these guys up, wasn't he, uh, Colin? Yes. Uh, yeah, he was. I mean, they weren't offering a great deal. Um, they, they came out in the second half uh, and showed a bit. And, uh, to be, well, I say they, they could have had an equaliser, I guess. But... Um, I think they had one very good chance that Lundstrom put over, but they, they seem mostly prepared to sit back and and let us come at them. And, and you sometimes that, but they weren't really playing a five four one, um, which really gave us everything we needed. And, and yeah, you know, with a, with perhaps a bit better finishing, perhaps if Ramsdale hadn't been on such good form, we, we might have you know gone in two or three up, but. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Kevin, Kevin De Bruyne, I say Bernardo was doing a, a sterling job. Um, it, it, yeah, Kevin just had all the room in the world, didn't they? I mean, Cancelo, Walker, the, the goal, you know, Walker was able to come into midfield, an advanced midfield position and have a shot. And um, it, it, yeah, it was very disappointing from Sheffield United. You know, they didn't, 
well, not 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 disappointed, but um, that they let us have the the run of the field really most of the time. Yeah, right. I think uh, didn't uh, De Bruyne try that little trick again where he got a free kick and he tried to um, put it under the wall. The, the only problem was, I think, that um, uh, there was only one player that uh, jumped and yeah, uh, went under him. But the problem was, I know, he, I know. but he hit it straight into the middle of the goal. So the, I know uh, it, it wasn't a problem for the keeper. For for that to work, he had to obviously hit it right to the corner. Uh, I think Mara's had a free kick as well out on the right. So um, took it with his left foot. Um, but uh, that was another one that went straight at too near to the keeper. If you, if you remember, he scored a fantastic goal, uh, similar position for Algeria in the Africa Cup of Nations, um, which was a stunning strike right into the corner. Uh, when you're basically, you've got two or three players standing at the edge of the wall, and then they just uh, disappear. They melt away very quickly, and you uh, hit that left foot shot um, through the gap in towards the far corner. But I've, I've got to say, I've got to say, um, at risk of you know re- receiving some unpopular correspondence from our Algerian fans. Yeah, yeah, I uh, knew this was Mara's, coming. <laughs> Maras was dog awful uh, that, in this game. So much so that apparently after the game, um, so report the Athletic, Kevin De Bruyne criticised Maras for not passing the ball for being greedy, and apparently. Uh, a few weeks ago, Aguero and uh, somebody else was it Aguero and, and Fernandinho have criticised Mares for not passing the ball, and I've seen that. I, I've talked about it last season, where he's just too greedy uh, at times. And yes, all players are. All players make mistakes in in, in their decision making. Uh, but Mares, it, it just feels to me he's not part of the group. It just feels to me he's got a different uh, personality. To some of the other players in, uh, in the group, like Raheem Sterling, who's I think a lot more bubbly and effervescent, and Aguero, uh, he's the man. KDB, uh, probably for me, he he's a bit more of a statesman. You know, you look up to KDB and you respect him the same way we looked up to Vincent Company or the players that would look up to him. Uh, so I'm not sure Maris fits in like that. And he's come from you know in Al- for Algeria, he's he's a top man for Algeria at Leicester. He was the big fish, and now he's at City. He's a tiddler. In comparison, because you know it's a different uh, more fish pond, but it's a different kettle of fish at City. It's a bigger pond at City, and he's just a, a, you know smaller fish in there. And he doesn't it doesn't work when you're greedy. I've always said when you're greedy and it doesn't come off, you're going to get criticised. When it comes off, you're going to get praised if you know if you score a goal or, or, or lay something on. But far too often, he's looking for that shot. Uh, some some fans want him to take shots from distance. But far too often he's looking for that shot rather than, you know, playing as uh, as part of the team. And in the last two games, he's done something where he's gone down uh, against Marseille. I said the same. He's on the touchline. He takes a man. He took a man on on the touchline, got past him, and then took the ball out. And against um, Sheffield United, he did something similar. He took a man on the touchline, got past him uh, when when you thought there was no space, and then he held on to the ball too long and give a, a, a defender enough time to come back. So. He's for me. He's holding on to that ball just a little bit too long, and if you're getting your own players criticizing you, and if that's three that we've heard about, you know, as I said last time, I think this is quite possibly his last season at City. We've seen how Torres Torres has scored something like three goals, got two assists. He's looked dangerous playing down the middle, a lot more dangerous than Mares would. Um, and I just think when everybody's fit, where does Riyad Mahrez fit in? When you know, when Aguero's back, when Gabriel Jesus is back. 
I just don't see a spot for him uh, apart from playing in the Cups. And uh, don't worry, listeners, we will arrange for uh, Ray to go into the witness protection scheme <laughs> after this pod. No doubt the Algerian hit mob will be after him. But uh, um, that was your first half, guys, and a uh, very nice touch, I think, at halftime because um, the stadium PA played the James Bond theme in honour of uh, Sean Connery, who passed away. I tried to um, start a thread um, on uh, favourite uh, Sean Connery quotes, and I think uh, the best one that... Uh, would not probably go down too well in this polit- um, this politically uh, correct climate was that line um, from one of the Bond movies where he dismisses a girl by saying, um, run along, darling, man talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, probably wouldn't go down too uh, well. That was, um, uh, that was a, a pretty sad one. Um, but guys, but um, moving into the second half, it was at this point, uh, Colin, that my live stream uh, began to fail very badly, I think, for about the first 15 or 20 minutes. What did I miss? Well, um, I think with, um, you know, we were well atop that first half. You know, could, should have gone in maybe two, three up. And you know that a team is always going to come out for the first 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes of the second half and um, make more of an effort. And sure enough, Sheffield United did. They came out a bit more. They, uh, they, you know, they were a bit more, more aggressive. They were prepared to go forward, and um, for, for probably about ten first ten minutes, I think they had slightly the better of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it became a much more open game, actually. And, and um, we, um, you know, that they had far more ch- well, I say chances, but they, they were far more threatening in that second half than they were in the first. But of course, by coming out, it gave us room to play in. And uh, it became a very open game in that, that second half and quite entertaining. Uh, although it was always a bit nerve-wracking and you've only got, you're only one goal to the good. I, I never really felt that we were um, in any danger. Although, again, say the last few minutes, um, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you never quite know what's going to happen, do you? Yeah, I think it might have possibly located the source of uh, De Bruyne's ire with um, Riyad Mahrez because I think, wasn't there a free kick that uh, De Bruyne won and um, Maris took it. And uh, um, you remember that, Ray? I think, yeah, um, I, 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 think I described that. I, I think it was right for Maris to hear that because it was on the right-hand side. And, you know, um, De Bruyne had already taken one on the left-hand side. I, I think it was right for the left foot of Maris to take that, that free kick. I just think there was a few occasions where Maris was dribbling in the box and he wasn't concerned about passing... You know, when you've got three men around you and you're trying to dribble past them, that usually means someone else uh, is is probably free. Um, and I think that's what, uh, you know, annoyed maybe De Bruyne. But look, it's not just, you know, you've got fans saying, oh, it's, it's, they're picking on Mares. Look, a, a couple of weeks ago, you heard uh, De Bruyne shouting at uh, Phil Foden and he just shouted, you just don't listen, Phil. You don't listen. So, you know... De Bruyne's got such high standards and obviously the, the rest of the team aren't as good as KDB and he wants them to be playing at a higher level to fit in with his mercurial talents. So he is going to have a pop at them. But look, KDB himself is greedy, you know, trying to drag the ball onto his left foot to have a shot uh, when sometimes he's a better option. Um, there, was a, there was a point where in the in this second half, I think, oh, it might be in the first, I can't remember, we were coming through and KDB... He had Maris on the right, and I think it was Sterling or Foden on the left. I can't remember now. And the easy ball was to, the one to the right to Maris because there's only one defender. 
and uh, but that would have pushed Mares a little bit wide. The more difficult ball was to hit it inside the other defender on the other side um, for the for the winger to come through and probably take the ball in his stride and have a shot. And the middle defender just managed to get to it and, and divert the ball. But you know, if he hadn't, that would have been an absolutely wonderful pass. And so sometimes you, you can look at that and say the easy ball was to Mares, but it would have been harder to score from where Mares was. The harder ball was on the other side. And it would have been easy to score. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, you've got people now saying that the players aren't passing to Maras as much because he's not passing to them. That's not a good situation to have. But Liverpool have had the same where Mane criticised um, uh, Mohamed Salah for not passing to him when he was in a much better position and Salah's just uh, focused on scoring. And that's where Salah is. Salah wants those numbers. Salah wants to be the best player in the world. And you know, and, and have have all the adulation and everything else. He wants those stats, um, and I think Maris does too. But Maris, but the difference is Salah actually puts in some good numbers. And if you look at last season, I had a very uh, quick look at last season what they did. Salah played thirty four times in the league for Liverpool, and he scored nineteen goals and got ten assists. So that's combined twenty nine in thirty four games. Maris played thirty three games. He got 11 goals and 9 assists. That's in a combined 20. So he's way short of Salah. And he's short of um, Mane as well. If he wants to compare himself to these other African players, he's short of... Uh, Mane had 35 appearances, scored, I think, 18 goals and 7 assists. So he had tw- combined 25. So Mahrez, that Those are the numbers I think Mahrez should be putting in. Um, for a guy who's 29 years old, those are the kind of numbers he should be putting in between 25 and 30 goals and assists a season. KDB last season. 33. That's the kind of numbers that the top man in the league putting in. If Maris, you know, as I said, he's 29 stroke 30 years old. He should be at the peak of his uh, talent um, and he's not. Uh, and I think that's extremely frustrating to the rest of the players. Yeah, when my um, live stream um, picked up um, again, there were uh, the first thing I saw were, were two um, I would say guilt edge chances, but uh, two um, reasonable uh, chances uh, for uh, Sheffield United because I think it was Lundestrand that um, stuck one over the bar that was pretty close and then it was Brewster got through and tried to dink it over Ederson and uh, it didn't quite make it and um, a period of sort of um, comfortable uh, play from City and then maybe just coming into the last sort of 12 or 13 minutes um, uh, quite a number of um, little chances um for uh, City and some great play because I think it was um, Torres was substituted uh, for Foden as I recall and uh, and then things started to happen uh, a little bit and um, you were feeling that um, uh, you know you, with with Sheffield United getting a little bit desperate the City would pick them off a little bit. Um, Colin, did you think that a second goal was ever coming? How did you see that? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, um, we had chances. So there's uh, Morris free kick, which Ramsdale again did really well to save. Um, there was uh, a chance when Sterling wriggled through on the byline but couldn't uh, get it back to a City player. I think there are, there are a couple of others off the top of my head. But uh, so I, I was always hopeful a second goal would come. Um, I was never particularly worried that the equaliser would come. So, um Although you kind of always say you're always nervous when it's only one goal, um, you know, I was quite happy for it to stay one nil. It was um, the way that it stayed. Um, Ray, uh, I 
I read some talk on Twitter that I, I, I didn't sort of notice, but they were saying about uh, Kevin De Bruyne uh, time-wasting in the corner flag um, area. I didn't notice that myself. It probably went out. Um, it wasn't for very long. It wasn't for very long. Yeah. Um, yeah. But City fans tend to lie. <laughs> we like that ever since... Uh, I remember we did one against United where we managed to hold the ball for about three Oh, minutes. that was and the glorious. Was just so funny. Um, and then another time, I think um, Kyle Walker uh, was defending. We had a throw-in and the ball boy threw the ball to Kyle Walker. And Kyle Walker just let it hit his shin or something and uh, and kicked it away. And then he pointed the ball boy and blamed him uh, <laughs> just to waste a bit <laughs> of time. So City fans like a little bit of... Uh, I think the word, the, the word is shit out of it. Um, mm. And time wasting, but I don't think it was. It lasted too long. Every time I hear that word, I I don't. Somewhere in my memory, I remember Ed and Jacko going down and lying <laughs> down for for about five minutes uh, with an absolute nothing foul. You know, was it against Everton. I can't remember now. Everton, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he refused I, to get up. <laughs> I know it was so funny. He just refused any entreaties to get up, and then um, after he, had, I don't know whether he was counting in his head, but then he. He rose like Tyson Fury, you know, <laughs> at a certain point. And I thought that was just a, that I've well, never the seen. Was, the, the, the referee said, no, you're not injured. And we're not going to let the um, physio come on. So get up. And he said, no, I'm injured. <laughs> so he just did that. Uh, but the thing is, it's, it's weird because whether he was or he wasn't, the referee at some point has to bring the, uh, the, the physio on. Uh, and if he thinks if he thinks Jack was faking it, he should just give him a yellow card. But, you know, they, they had this standoff for three or four or five minutes uh, when <laughs> no one was uh, willing to budge. But as I said, if if, if the re- if, the thing is, the referee is basically saying you're not injured. You're making that up. Then then book him. That's what you should do. And see what happens. And if you wave the yellow card in front of his face, maybe he will get up. Um, interesting uh, quotation, um, Colin, from uh, Chris Wilder after the game. Um with a little bit of a pointed barb as well. He said, um, if people think we can open up and go toe-to-toe with City, then they are deluded. We've got to find a way to close the gaps on teams who have spent a billion pounds. So he's really drinking the uh, the Kool-Aid that, that is um, sort of, uh, you know, um, mooted by uh, our rivals. Um, not very graceful, Colin. No, uh, not very graceful, but I, I don't think it was particularly... Was it particularly aimed at City? I, I, I know what, what he was saying, but but I, I think it was more aimed at the interviewer, wasn't it? It's a, a kind of a sarcastic comment aimed at the interviewer more than it was a disrespectful comment to, to City. I mean, he's basically saying, how can you expect us? And let's be honest, you know, there is a huge differential between some clubs in the Premier League and, and, and others. So, you know, us and United, Chelsea, <coughs> excuse me, um, we've all spent a lot of money. And um, that does there's a well well understood correlation between the amount of money you spend and and success or, or there should be um, doesn't seem to be working for for one particular club not far from this uh, very region. <laughs> um, um, but, but yeah, so um, yeah, Sheffield United are in a difficult position as as we said they've got one point out of the last potential thirty in the Premier League, including last mm-hmm. season, uh, and and survival would mean a lot to them. I think they they are good enough to survive, but to a certain extent they've been worked out, mm-hmm. and this is a big Ray, test, big test for Wilder. 
Ray, stop pounding that keyboard and tell us who was your man of the match. It's not pounding on my keyboard, that's my microphone. Man of the match, Walker. Uh, Walker for me, uh, all-round all good game. He, he scored the goal. Uh, he was um, pretty devastating sometimes on the wing. The, the pace he's got at 30 years old is incredible. Um, you know, the way he can get past people, it's just unbelievable, um, you know, what, what Walker can do. And so, yeah, defensively, I don't think he had a lot to do defensively. But uh, going forward, he's a revelation. And uh, I think I said earlier, some of us were saying he could play on the wing better than Mares because, you know, he'll get past the men just based on pure pace. He doesn't need to have any trickery, uh, you know, or any uh, skill in his armoury. He, he just beats them on pace. It's just that he can't cross uh, too well after that. But, you know, for the amount of times he'll get past somebody, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd be, I'd, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting if one day we put Concello as a right back and Walker as a right wing back or a right midfielder and say, right, you know, Kyle, just go for it. Do you concur, Dr. Savage? Uh, broadly, yes, I think I do. He was your man of the match. Um I, I well, I, again, I think I, I'd agree with Ray that it was um, Cal Walker, Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, the two guys at the back were good, um, but yeah, I think Walker edges it. Um, guys, uh, anything else you want to say about this game before we talk about some of the other results? Yeah, I want to talk about James Trafford. Okay, now, you might not have heard of James Trafford. Uh, James Trafford is a kid. Now, uh, what happened? Um, well, Zach Steffen was. Uh, missed uh, because of injury uh, so he wasn't on the bench and Scott Carson who's our third choice keeper is on a second season long loan from Derby County I'll just throw in that I said he was going to uh, probably stay on loan for another season long before uh, anybody else did so I'll just uh, big myself up for that I mean it's nothing massive but I said there was no reason for him to not be uh, not stay on but he was deemed so Scott Carson was on the bench he got injured in the warm up and James Trafford, he he played in the FA Youth Cup win over Blackburn at St George's Park less than 24 hours previously. Uh, I mean that game kicked off at 5 p.m., so he didn't have that, uh, probably that much time, you know, from a game that finished around 7 p.m. the uh, the night before for a 12:30 kickoff. Um, and if people don't know, St George's Park is somewhere I think it's near Stoke or in the North Midlands. Um, so he ended up being on the bench, which was, uh, you know, a bit of a promotion for him and uh, obviously very unexpected. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting and it's good. He gets a little bit of experience uh, of being on the bench. OK. Um, Colin Savage, let's um, talk about some of the uh, the other results here. I'm just going to read them out um, for people. You're obviously aware of them, but I'll just go through it again. Aston Villa 3, Southampton 4, Newcastle 2, Everton 1. Um, Manchester United nil, Arsenal one, and Tottenham two, Brighton one. Anything um, tickle your fancy there, Colin? Well, I think um, all interesting results, weren't they? Um, the uh, Villa Southampton one, I think um, Southampton were four one up. I've not watched that. I didn't well, watch four nil up after an hour. Yeah, and Southampton an interesting case because um, uh, Ralph um, Hassenhuttle is doing a great job there. And we always say about Southampton, the old cliche, if they kept hold of every player they've sold, they would be a top six club. But I've always felt that there is the, the, the weakness maybe at Southampton is central defence. But apart from that, they've got a really good team there. And they could be kind of take 
you know, the, the, perhaps Sheffield United or Burnley, you know, the, the supposed small club who, um, you know, uh, trouble the top six because it's a, it's it's going to be a weird season this season. So so that was an interesting game. I'm looking forward to seeing that one on March March of the day two when we finish recording this. Uh, obviously, New Everton going to Newcastle. Uh, you would have expected uh, an Everton win, but uh, Newcastle have this habit of pulling odd results out of uh, out of the hat, like like rabbits against teams like Everton and whoever, and then they'll lose to Fulham, you know, the next week. Um, so that was an interesting result and uh, allowed Liverpool to go top, of course. Unfortunately, uh, obviously we saw United Arsenal first. Some work um, pointed out the the stat that. Um, the last time Arsenal beat a top six club was when they beat us at the Etihad a couple of seasons ago, two or three seasons mm-hmm. ago. Four seasons uh, ago. Yeah, four, four seasons, seasons ago. ago. They haven't been, a, been beaten a top club, six club since. And someone said they beat the club in, 19, in 15th position, um, which was quite funny. But, uh, you, you know, United are just um, they're flat to deceive, don't they? I mean, Leipzig were awful in midweek. Uh, mm-hmm. And if... if um, Nagelsmann, if that was a, um, an audition for the City job, he failed it. Yeah, and also he definitely failed the fashion test as well. He well, he looked up like, like a da- picked out something from the props left over from the Sopranos. Oh, yeah, he looked like a mad parrot. It was um, yeah. um, um, definitely um, a contrast to uh, the, 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 you know, the understated Cotigan. Yeah. But, uh, but go on, Colin. But, I mean, I, I, I've been sort of defending um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Because I'd seen stuff in United that was, you know, that, that wasn't weren't fantastic, but some indication that they had some they had some coaching. But I didn't see anything of that today. But and Arsenal, who have been a bit disappointing recently, um, they pressed really well, um, and United just didn't like that at all. So uh, that was an interesting. Well, so Spurs, I would have expected to beat Brighton, but the uh, interesting thing from that was Gareth Bale got his first goal, of course. So indeed, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, say so Brian could are always going to be one of those clubs who hover around the bottom six. With great respect to our friend Kieran Maguire, mm-hmm. Ray, but uh, uh, mm. let's let's just go over to Ray and and, and yeah. say Ray, it, it's a weird looking uh, table, isn't it? How, how many games do you think it's going to take for you know things to even out? I reckon by the we get to ten games, we'll have a. I think we'll have a start to get a, an idea of what's happening. Obviously, Liverpool are top. You know, it's one of those things. If Liverpool win the next three games, they could end up uh, seven or eight points clear. Um, you know, it, it's it's that it's, it's it can change very very quickly. You know, you you you're looking at teams and you think, well, you know, um, someone like City, you know, City are in tenth, mid table. Uh, but we, as, as Colin said earlier, if we win our game, we bump up to third, our game in hand. Uh, and it can change so so quickly. Even uh, Man United, they win their game in hand, they can jump up about three or four places. So <clears throat> it's a lot to, to still play from. You got you got, you've still got Aston Villa and Leicester um, played six and got twelve points. You've got games in hand, and it's like you think, well, Villa just lost the last two. They've not looked, I don't think, particularly great in the last two games. But win their game in hand, and they're back to second. So it's just a weird old season. Everton sat in third, Southampton fourth. Uh, Wolves fifth, Chelsea sneaking up now in in sixth uh, place, um, starting to get some of their defensive issues sorted out. Um, but get, it'll, I think it'll take another three or four games before we really see this table start to sort itself out. Well, so guys, I, I think would we're say that it's about six, seven games in before you start yeah. to some sort of shape to the table. But it, it's a weird looking table. There's no doubt about it. 
Well, guys, as, as this pod uh, draws to a close, uh, unfortunately, we're running out of time here. Um, final comments, thoughts, observations, anything that uh, that you'd uh, like to mention, uh, plug or refer to? Um, two things. One, Manchester City's under-18s. They've reached the FA Youth Cup final. They spanked Blackburn Rovers 4-0. Uh, goals from Joe Hodge, Liam Delap, James McAtee and uh, Jaden Braff after a, a spell out injured. Uh, so we're in the final to play against Chelsea. Uh, City City probably have lost the most finals in this competition. We've lost eight and only won two. And in the last one, two, three, four, last uh, five years, we've lost four times in this competition. So like Chelsea. Yeah, uh, yeah, Chelsea beating us 5-2, 4-2 and 6-2. And they've also, Chelsea also beat Arsenal 7-1. So uh, Chelsea, uh, in the last uh, f- five or six years, they- they've been the top dogs. Um, so that's that's good for the lads. I think that game is on Monday, isn't it? So yeah, no no rest. There. So they play on Friday, and uh, the the finals on Monday. So that's a, a quick turnaround. I just remembered uh, trying to find out some time to watch that game. There's a lot going on, um, and also as as I mentioned in the last um, pod that uh, we launched uh, the City Women Fan TV. Uh, channel on YouTube, so we had the first uh, offerings of a few videos today uh, for the for the FA Cup final, uh, and uh, we're doing a series of playoff profiles. So little, you know, two, three, four minute videos on all the Manchester City uh, women's squad. Um, so getting a lot of help from the official supporters club, some of the members there. So that, that's that's keeping me extremely busy to, to make sure there's a lot of content. Mm-hmm. Anything from you, Colin, or do you think we're done? Yeah, just one little, well, amusing thing. Is, um, I don't know if anyone saw um, an article in the Observer, the, Guard- the Sunday Arm of the Guardian, that we were bottom of the ethical Premier League table. What's that? Anyone will see that. Uh, apparently know. this this human rights organisation which concentrates on FIFA uh, and um, uses that to, to publicise itself had compiled an ethical league table based on owners and sponsors and, and stuff like that. Uh, and because of our links to Abu Dhabi, we, we were kind of bottom before this even started. Well, well bottom. So they gave points based on various things. So the things that counted against us were, of course, uh, that we were owned by, or majority owned by um, Sheikh Mansour, that we had Etihad as a sponsor. Of course, airlines aren't very green. Um, that we weren't, uh, because of our ownership, we were backward in LGBT and, and women's rights issues and, and um, all this sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> it's you know, it's typical. It's very sad to see human rights organisations use football as a kind of platform to get, you know, clicks and hits and publicity. Um, I can sort of understand why they do it, but it, it's very opportunistic. And um, uh, and yeah. um, the Guardian asked the cl- had asked the club for comment, and we made no comment. Oh, uh, uh, <coughs> well, Vicky Kloss is entitled to a day off, like the best of us. But um, uh, the interesting thing was, you know, they're looking at they're projecting a kind of a a kind of cartoon villain view of Abu Dhabi onto the club. I mean, City have always been at the forefront of LGBT issues in Manchester. Um, we've at least three. Uh, women in senior executive positions at the club. So obviously we've got Vicky Kloss, who's uh, communications director. We've got um, Carolyn, oh, I can never remember, it's McNabb or McBride, so sorry, uh, Carolyn, um, who's the HR group HR director. 
we've got the marketing director, uh, Nuria. Um, uh, you know, uh, and I think there was a gender pay report where actually we, our, our women executives were paid more than the males. So uh, City were the, are the most ethically, uh, ecologically sustainable club in the Premier League. We do an awful lot. And I know from stuff I've done on City Matters, um, we do an awful lot uh, to increase sustainability around the club. Um, so it, it, it's sad to see, you know, someone else jump on the Abu Dhabi bad bandwagon. But it, you know, it's, it's kind of, there's an amusing side to it, I guess. Yes, and uh, amusing is the word that we're going to finish off with. Definitely got to go soon, guys, because my mate Stuart Brodkin from the Man City Show has uh, posted uh, uh, a tweet from the Urban Spaceman in which he is showing um, uh, the uh, live match reaction from um, what's his name? The uh, is it Mister Goldsmith Gold, or Goldbridge? Uh, <laughs> Goldbridge, that's right. Goldbridge uh, never gets old, guys. Um, him watching um, United getting scored on, and uh, uh, the uh, amateur theatrics uh, look like they're going through the roof here. So I want to take a look at that just. Uh, for a quick chuckle. Last point, guys. Sorry. Uh-huh. Last point, news out tonight that uh, from Manuel Veth, who reports for Forbes, I believe, um, um, on the Bundesliga, uh, he said that David Alaba, uh, their left-back, has failed to mm-hmm. meet Bayern's internal deadline. There will be no new deadline, no more negotiations. Alaba will Ooh. be sold in January Ooh. or moving a free in the summer. Um, the decision-makers in Munich feel there is a clear line of succession in place uh, and looking at one of my friends Max Angelo who's a uh, an Italian uh, journalist he said the only his issues are um, he's also said he'll uh, be free to leave in January he said the only issue is uh, the agent fee and the wages which are around 20 million euros a year um, but so uh, yeah it looks like he's he's off uh, and obviously uh, I think the two clubs that have been mentioned so far are Liverpool and Manchester City. Yeah, yeah, yeah interesting that. And talking of um, players who could leave in January, uh, the other thing I forgot to, wanted to mention was um, Barcelona are in danger of apparently going bust unless they sell players. So wage bill dramatically, and uh, of course uh, Bartomeu was basically forced out. I'm just, I'm just getting out the smallest of violins. I'm just find, looking for the smallest. Have you got violins. a violin that small? <laughs> you know, um, yeah, so um, that could be an interesting one, couldn't it? You know, plenty of reports of Messi looking completely at sea. Um, and the club, you know, if there's one wage you want to get off your wage bill, if you need to reduce it, it's got to be his. So uh, that could be another interesting, um, make another interesting January. Yep. Uh, I think, I think we'll have them night. both. We'll have them both, guys. We'll have them both. But um, <laughs> on that interesting note, I think uh, we'll finish uh, here and uh, we'll see you again uh, very, very shortly. Hope you've enjoyed it, guys. Uh, you have been listening to the following Manchester City supporters. Uh, first of all, uh, Ray from City Van TV. Uh, Ray, thank you so much for coming on. It's been fantastic. And we, you've also been listening to uh, Prestwich Plue, and that is Colin Savage. Well, it's been a nice, uh, a nice end to a great sporting weekend where mm-hmm. where my teams have got the quadruple. So, um, well, I say my teams, uh, City men, City women, uh, anyone who's playing United and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, yeah, <laughs> great end to the weekend. 
<laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Um, we'll be back with you shortly, as I said uh, before. So until then, as we always say, have one of us. Um, enjoy your week and up the blues. Up those blues.